Welcome to Beers Business and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house and get 20% off your order and free shipping. That's Will and I'm Jake, and I am very confused by this weather in the Northeast today. It's 60 degrees. I took a walk today, um, and I put on shorts, and... I loved everything about it, um, but it might snow this week, apparently. So get your boots out and the shovel's ready to go. Cause I guess Wednesday it's supposed to, we might get like an inch of snow if things go right. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. 60 degrees today, but a blizzard in orchard park, Buffalo, um, as we record right before the Monday night football game, weather is confusing, but if we can squeeze out a mild winter, the next couple weeks, I'll be happy. Um, what a weird football week again. Um, you had a lot of close games. You had a lot of stuff that just didn't make sense. And now tonight, like the Pats and the, the Pats and the Bills, of course, it just has to be pissing snow. Like that's, you know, the football gods had to intervene with this one. Um, and I hope we get old takes exposed for something we bring up tonight on this game. And <laughs> that's all. I mean, Mac Jones came out with that tweet five years ago. I've never seen snow. Yeah. And I mean, again, that was five years ago. He was in Alabama all this time. I don't know if he's actually ever seen snow. So Mac Jones, I saw a stat today. His coldest game ever was a 36-degree game, and he did not throw for a touchdown. It was just all runs. But Alabama won 52-3, to but (laughs) he didn't get – he didn't have a single touchdown by way of air. I think he had like a rushing touchdown, but I'm a little concerned. I'm definitely a little concerned. I'll, I'll float it out to the universe. Not good. Um, in other words, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This game is a tra- not a trap game. I was going to say that. I think, you know, when you play Miami, if you're the Patriots in a couple of weeks, that's a trap game. But this is just a game – I think the Patriots are the better team right now, but when the weather's like this, it's one of those where you just have to throw everything out the window. Right? It'll it's just whoever. A, yeah, it'll be a defensive. Game. It'll be a big, big defensive game. I mean, expect you know not to old takes exposed, but whoever the primary back for New England is today will probably have one, if not two, touchdowns. Yeah, let's find out. Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Brandon Bolden might get in the mix. Jakob Johnson could get in the mix. The fullback, we'll have to see. Whoever Um, has the hot hand. I know. And we'll wake up tomorrow having run this episode and be like, well, we we knew the answer. So you guys listening know the answer now because all you have to do is look at it or you probably watch the game. Um, Yeah, weird week in the NFL. We'll talk some of that. We'll talk some college basketball possibly uh, later on. But for now, let's have some beer. This is December. This is stout season. This is brown ale season. This is porter season. This is a lot of different stuff. What's on tap for you? Yeah, I mean, you said all of that, but I'm going with a sour Berlin Weiss uh, out of left field. Yeah, so local favorite at Greenport, Tiki Paradise is one of my favorite beers that they have there. Um, it's a dessert Berlin Weiss brewed with North Fork wheat, lactose, coconut, and pineapple. Uh, Reminded me of a sour version of our grocery store, Joe. Um, for some reason, they had it on tap for uh, Thanksgiving week. So I picked up a four pack of that because it was like, that is a 
primetime summer beer. They ran out in the summer super quick. So it's nice to have them uh, bring that back in the winter time. So four or five for me, one of my favorites, uh, 5.8% uh, sours in the winter. That might be the move. I don't know, but I like it a lot and happy they had it in store. Sours in the winter. I can get around it. I just need like a little kick in the ass to steer me in the right direction. Um, there's not a lot of people doing sours right now up here, which is crazy. Um, I'm even looking, well, you know, you've got long live with frozy cup Island. That's new. We'll have to go review that. Um, big shout out long live beer works right now too. They've got a, a hell of a lineup. They've got Friendsgiving pastry stout annual collab with PB donuts, uh, vanilla bean and hazelnut. That's, a whopping 12% like they usually do. Uh, they've got some coffee stouts, a couple of good Pilsners. Uh, so we'll have to get long live back on here for now. Um, very similar. I'll do an out of season selection. We've talked about pumpkin. We've rated pumpkin beers on this show. We've talked about how good Southern tier is as a Northeast player. I am going to review pumpkin nitro with cold brew coffee. Um, this is something that we had a couple, I think this was last week. We had this in a can. We had it um, a little bit out of season. I, I'm going to float it out there. I like the regular pumpkin better. I'm just going to float yeah. that into the universe. Um, cold brew coffee, pumpkin nitro. It's got really good ratings globally. It's got like a four. I didn't see it. And maybe it was the can. Maybe it was just because it was sitting around. There's a lot of factors that could have happened. But basically, it's the cold-pressed pumpkin, which basically it's a regular old pumpkin ale. It's like a yam beer. They jack it up with nitro, so the texture is a little bit better, and then cold brew coffee in there. I, I just think it was too much. When I think of cold brew coffee, I think of stout. I think of, you know, like a pastry stout kind of deal. Much like we were just talking about long live. I gave this a three, five. And now looking back at it, I think that's a little generous. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was like, okay. I would, if it was offered to me again, sure. Crack it open. You and I were just talking about whether you have to drink it in a can or a glass. You know, I, maybe if you have to pour it in a glass for it to be really activated and good, I, I wasn't around this one. So I will stick to regular pumpkin next time for sure. Next, uh, next spooky season. Did not. Yeah. Did not love it. Didn't hate it, but it was fine. It was fine. I mean, again, yeah, they, they tried something new. I'd had it once, you know, if it was in front of me, I'd drink it, but yeah. Right. If you see it in the liquor store, you're not going to grab it. Like I, I don't know. There's something about it. Um, I'm not reaching for it again. So Southern mm -hmm. tier, love their stuff. Love regular pumpkin. Let's go on the record. We reviewed that weeks ago. The Colbert Coffee Pumpkin Nitro, I will take a pass on. That's our beer segment. Business, we've got a really cool guest. Josh Clifford's is the name. Developing a very interesting product in free water runs us through how he's able to sell water for free. Um, but they're taking a profit. They are doing some good in the world. So let's hear it from the man himself and one of the you know, more in-depth business conversations we've had about making money and business models and things like that. Here's Josh Clifford's from Freewater. All right, everybody. With this this week, we have 
an entrepreneur his entire life, you know, starting now a company through a philanthropic marketing channel called Free Water, the world's first free beverage company. Um, and we'll get into the free grocery aspect as well. But Josh Clifford joins the podcast this week. Um, very exciting interview. He is someone, like we mentioned, has started companies his entire life, you know, went to Purdue, was in the army, and now working on something that will you know, pretty much changed the world. And we're excited to have that conversation. But Josh, welcome to the podcast. Hope you have a happy Thanksgiving and how's everything on your end? Likewise, I hope you guys had a great holiday too. And thanks for having us. Things are great. Uh, really busy, but uh, I love to, this is awesome. So let's go for it. Absolutely. I mean, your business is all about advertising. So we're trying to, you know, get that vocal advertisement as well. But we'll start way before free water and we'll, you know, we'll start with you. We got Josh Clifford. You went to Purdue for health and wellness. You were uh, an airborne infantryman in the U.S. Army, and you started your career in day trading as well. But, you know, who is Josh Clifford, and what was that end goal for you at a young age? What did you want to be? Um, I, I really couldn't answer that in a meaningful way. Um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was not – I was scared of my own shadow. You know, I, I didn't um, – I didn't have the nerve to do anything. Um, you know, I think my life really changed uh, after I got into my 20s and started facing a few of my fears. And um, yeah, a lot of that came in business too. And, you know, obviously you were an airborne infantryman in the U.S. Army uh, for quite some time. First of all, thank you for your service. Um, you know, the honorable discharge uh, you received. You know, what were some of those lessons that you, you might have learned um, in the Army that, uh, really set the tone for for later on in your career? Um, yeah, well, so before the Army, I owned a gym for athletes. Um, uh, that's That was what I did. Um, I lived in Los Angeles, and I was in my mid-20s, and I really kind of got bored with life. And so I sold that business. I bought a 1985 Toyota RV, and then I traveled around America for a year and a half. And eventually, I ran out of gas money. So I sold the <laughs> RV, and then I went to South America for... Uh, sometime. And then as my money was dwindling away, I decided I wanted to get paid to take people on adventures like a Bear Grylls. And I thought, okay, well, the only way I could do that is if I was a Navy SEAL or something. And um, I, I'm a decent swimmer, but that's not my thing. And so I enlisted in the army on an 18 x-ray contract to go from civilian to Green Beret. And um, I actually got hurt jumping out of an airplane. And then Later on, I broke my right shin, and um, that was it for me, unfortunately. You have quite the story. I mean, not only with the Army, but you were touching upon that travel aspect as well. Um, I believe it's, what, 40 countries and five continents? Yeah, I've spent, I mean, up until now, spending every penny I have on this project. Most of my life, I spent every penny I could on traveling. And so in the past decade, um, I've spent... I mean, at least five or six years traveling or on some form of adventure. And Any, I think it's important. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely the importance. And, you know, why is traveling important to you? And what, uh, if you can name one place that was your absolute love, what place would that be? I think there's different categories of love, um, you know, because you, you go and you travel the world for different reasons. Um, if you're talking about beautiful beaches sort of love, I would say Panama, Costa Rica, or Indonesia. Um, if you're talking about, um, 
you know, beautiful cities. I would say um, Cambodia, Rome, Budapest. But if you're just talking about an Indiana Jones-like adventure, uh, I would say Egypt all the way. Yeah, nice. Very cool. I, I've never, Will and I have never been, you know, that really to the Middle East. I think, you know, Will's been to Morocco, uh, but that's like really the closest to that area. I think, we, you know, we've ever been. So that's, it's really cool that you've been getting to see those parts of the world and explore new, um, you know, cultures. Um, you talked about some of the entrepreneurship endeavors you had before your current venture as well. You're an entrepreneur by heart uh, and spirit. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, you've founded seven different companies um, you know, over your career. So some successes, some failures, some lessons, obviously we're not asking you to run down your whole resume because I'm sure we can, you know, take three hours for that, but anything that jumps out off the page that, you know, maybe it was a, a successful venture, a failed one that the lessons are still with you today. Um, yeah, well, believe it or not, my first ever business, I was that kid who had the lemon tree in front of the house and I used to sell lemonade, but one day, I don't know why I was nine or 10 years old. I think nine. I decided um, I'm going to create a sign that said free lemonade to see what happens. And then the cars lined up around the block. And then I was running out of product. I didn't know what to do. And I had a really nice baseball, basketball, and football card collection. So I went out back in those days. You had like the paper buckets that had all the prices in them. And I sold uh, about $1,400, $1,500 worth of baseball, basketball, like pretty much every card I had. Um, and my parents, they thought that I had somehow stolen the money. The neighbor's like, no, no, he earned it. And so I actually parlayed that into Microsoft stock in 1995. <laughs> um, and, um, and that was probably the smartest thing I'd ever done. So uh, that 1500 rapidly turned into like 39,000 by the time I was in the ninth grade, then the tech wreck happened. Um, but now being almost 37 in January, I now have 27 years stock market experience. Holy crap. I mean, like, that's just something that's just like right place, right time. And I mean, you pivot on your feet and I mean, what a, uh, what a success story in itself right there. That's a, uh, that's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, um, definitely, you know, it's the same business model today, free lemonade, free water, uh, premium models, free, but options to purchase more. And so same, same super heated. And that's a perfect segue into free water. So, you know, we know the story, but we obviously want the listeners to hear it as well. But, you know, this idea is probably years in the making, but 2018 timeframe is when free water, you know, finally came to the public eye. Um, and you traveled all across the world and you saw, you know, obviously some of the richest cities and obviously some of the poorest cities on the contrary. And, you know, one thing I don't think people realize, especially in the United States, is that availability of clean and healthy water and just availability of water as a whole. So, you know, what was the when, you know, between your travels and your inside your mind, what was that starting point and inception thought for you for free water? You know, um, when I was traveling around in the RV, sometimes I would go in the back country and I would just walk for days in the middle of nowhere in like a Yosemite National Park. And it didn't matter how far you walked into the middle of nowhere, you always found plastic trash. And then you'd go travel the world, you go to Jordan, you go to like Petra and some of the wonders of the world. And these sacred places, you look around, there's plastic trash everywhere. And then you, no matter where I went, you saw it, um, obviously extreme poverty, but um, eventually, uh, 
My wife and I founded a nonprofit organization in Europe in 2015 to help refugees. And we, we volunteered for more than a year and a half. We worked with more than 10,000 refugees and we spoke to every person we could that spoke English or Spanish. A lot of the young Syrians spoke Spanish because they went to school in Spain. And we also spoke to other people with the help of translators. And we found that roughly 20% of the people that we interviewed left their homes because they didn't have access to water, food, or medicine, mainly water. But some of the stories were ridiculously horrible. You know, you walk five, five hours each way to get your water. When you get home, your sibling goes, it's this never ending relay race to get the water. And then one day you show up to the water well that your family's been going to for generations and it dried up because of global warming or maybe somebody's standing there with a gun and they own the well. And next thing you know, you're walking across the world trying to, you know, basically survive. And after hearing the same story thousands of times, did a lot of research. It's not something you could just Google and have the number pop up. But we found roughly 35 million plus people die every year around the world because they don't have access to water, food, or medicine. And when I say medicine, it's nothing fancy. If you gave everybody on earth a bar of soap, we would save five to 10 million lives a year just right there. Wow. And so thinking about that, um, and then with the food thing, I mean, that's an obvious thing, but in the US, we throw a ton of food in the trash. Same thing with the water, we waste it. And so seeing that, it was like, man, I thought it would be really cool if someone could somehow create an idea that made saving a life or saving the environment or save, doing some sort of great cause as easy as eating a free slice of pizza or drinking a free beer or having a free water. And so fast forward to today, and we've launched what will become the world's first free supermarket or an Amazon 2.0. Uh, and our first product is free spring water in aluminum bottles and paper cartons. And our water is free because the packaging is the ad space. But when you've got that free product in your hand, if you feel like it, you could scan the QR code with your smart device to collect coupons, shop, order food, um, download music, movies, TV shows, video game software, augmented reality. You could do anything with this platform. But most importantly, 10 cents from every beverage is donated to charity to build water wells for people in need. And when you do the math, we'll only need 10% of Americans to save money and drink our free product. And we'll donate enough money to charity to solve the global water crisis permanently. That's water wells built for the extreme poor, 800 million people. And it goes the same with groceries. When 10% of Americans consume our free suite of groceries in the future, we solve the global water, food and medicine crisis. And we'll do that within this decade. Wow, that's incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and you put it so eloquently, but I'm sure that's backed by, you know, years of research on how to make this business model work. So, so give us a little sneak preview again, no trade secrets necessary. Of course, we don't want, uh, you know, we, we obviously want everything. To... Everything's open source. There's no, there you go. I made sure that nobody could patent these things because if somebody takes the idea and does a better job, what they're going to beat us at saving the world. Right. So, exactly. So it, yeah, it's very much, you know, very different, you know, scopes and realms, but it's very much like, you know, what Elon Musk has been doing with the battery technology and things like that. And the boring company, it's, you know, if someone can make this better than me and find a better solution to the problem, then great. Right. So that that's very interesting to hear you say that, but, but do tell us, right. You know, what's the primer on how that advertising 
works, you know, like what's, uh, what's the pitch to get these advertisers on board? And then how do you get this product out into shelves and, and out to consumers as well? Okay. It's, it's like, that's um, like five questions here. So let's start with the first <laughs> one. Uh, there's different categories of free. Um, the first category I call BVRE, below the value of the real estate, which means if you transform the packaging into ad space or real estate that covers the cost of the product, its manufacturing, its distribution, our profit, our donation to charity, and the salesperson's commission, because we, our salespeople have a 10 cent per beverage commission. And while that seems like a lot, that's water, soda, beer, cannabis, groceries, low-end pharmaceuticals, clothing, but it could be something larger. Like imagine if you were an Uber driver, where, whatever city you're in, and you'd put a lot of mileage on your car, if you wrapped your vehicle and charged this with ads and you charge the same price of a taxi driver, you would get roughly 2K a month that would cover your car, your fuel, your insurance, maybe some of your hours. And so it doesn't have to be a cheapy product. And then you've got the second category, main category, which is everything else. Like you can't slap a Nike sign on this iPhone 13 and say, here, it's free. And so that will ultimately be a YouTube competitor. And so YouTube currently charges 40 cents a minute to advertise, so does TikTok. And when we launch that end of the platform, we will also charge 40 cents a minute to advertise, but we're gonna pay our audience 36 of those cents and our future digital currency, which means you're gonna get paid $21 or more an hour to watch ads, train AI, and help companies with their SEO. And so with that $21 an hour, you're like, oh, I want that $100 bottle of whiskey well, hey, in my free time, I contribute this much time or, hey, I want that $1,000 iPhone or, hey, I need to pay my rent or, hey, I need to. So, I, you know, a lot of Americans don't make $15 an hour. Um, some people do, some people don't. But I think $21 to $22 an hour from your pajamas on the beach in Costa Rica is going to be pretty compelling. And it's, it's all about giving people new forms of freedom. Now, when you were, we're going to go back to the other questions in a minute, but while we're on the topic of the advertising, when you were creating this idea of free water, um, obviously the social side of it, the social entrepreneurship side was, you know, getting the clean water access and, you know, trying to solve an issue. But what was that for you, that idea of like, hey, we can make this free because of the advertising? Um. So we got to really go back, um, you know, uh, before I ever started working with refugees, I was on this trip around the world. And it's kind of a funny story, but on this trip around the world, I learned a lot of life lessons. But you know what the biggest life lesson that stood out was? I hate fucking taxi drivers because it doesn't matter what city you're in. If you're not a local, they'll totally rip you off on the meter. Now I know that every taxi has this like tariff button and the tariff one and tariff two are for locals or holidays, but then they've got the three, four, and five there for the foreign people or the people that don't know any better. And so I travel around the world and get ripped off one taxi driver after the next. So I actually started taking Uber because, hey, that's their call to action. You get that set price. But when you're in the Middle East or Africa or other countries um, and you have a imitation Uber was kind of sketchier at that time than the taxi drivers. And so the final straw was I was on my way to a music festival in Budapest, Hungary, and an Uber driver pulled the knife out on me and tried to rob me. And uh, when I got out of the situation, I walked the last hour to the music festival 
And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to put all of these people out of business by making the world's first free taxi company. I'm going to do it free. I'm going to make self-driving Teslas free for everybody. And I started from there. And I would work on that while I was traveling the world a few hours a day. And I actually created some processes to make it free within a few days. That's actually that AVRE category, the above the value of real estate category. Um, and so when I started working with these refugees and heard their stories, that was in the midst of me already working on free transportation from cars to planes to you name it. Um, and then um, I kind of was like, okay, well, I'll work on free water, free food, free medicine after I do free autonomous transportation, because that's what I enjoyed the most at the time. And then I was making a commercial for free taxi and I had to pay like feed the cameraman, obviously. And so we walk into a 7-Eleven in New York City. And there I saw some boxes of box water is better. Are you guys familiar with the brand? They're in the same packaging as this. Yes. I looked at the box. They have the ugliest logo I'd ever seen. It says box water is better on two sides. On the third side, it just says hello because they didn't know what to write there. And on the fourth side, it says we give up to 1% to charity or to the environment. And I was staring at that box and I was thinking about what all those refugees said. And then I remembered when I was a kid, we had the missing people on the milk cart. And so I was like, wait a minute, since the 1950s, we've always had the ability to print photogenic images on packaging, but now everybody has a computer in their pocket with a built-in QR code reader where you could bring anything to life. And so I went home, I talked to my mom, told her the story. She's like, listen, I really think you're onto something with free taxi, but you're no Elon Musk. No one's just gonna give you a car company. But she was like, if you make free food and water, then people will listen to you about free flights, free energy, free pharmaceuticals. And so I made that pivot after working on free taxi for a year and free water is just the free taxi business model dumbed down 99%. And when I, I, took, <clears throat> I took that, um, that free taxi model and then I eventually applied it to everything else because I was originally thinking very, very narrow-mindedly to just making cars and planes free. But I realized, wait a minute, that same AVRE process could make anything free. It could make your, your bottle of whiskey free. It could make your computer free. It could make your rent free. Not, not free, but in exchange for your time, if that makes sense. Right. You make it sound so simple, Josh. You really do. And it's, you, you wonder why people haven't done this, but you know, you seem to bring a, a very unique perspective to the table just based on past experiences and, and the like. Well, um, so when you ask why people haven't done it, I think you have to apply it to both separate categories of free. Um, with the BVRE category, um, you know, like these sort of things, it's really counterintuitive because when you create a company, the first thing you do is you create an idea, you solve a problem, then you create a name and a logo, and then you use your real estate to tell everybody what you do. So every can of Coke says Coke, every can of Pepsi says Pepsi. But it's counterintuitive to think that if Coca-Cola advertised for Pepsi, their biggest competitor, they would make way more money. And so, and so that's why that hasn't happened. With the, with the AVRE category, you know, there's certain things like the basic attention token um, where they actually do monetize your time. But when you calculate it, they pay you like five bucks an hour, not, not $21, $22 an hour. Mark Zuckerberg says when the Libra comes out, they're going to pay you, you know, monetize your time, but they'll probably pay you less or slightly more than that. 
And so I guess there's a different mindset if you're trying to create something to, for the benefit of everybody as opposed to just making money. Right. And now the distribution aspect of it. So how are you getting your product out to the public? Great question. So today we're doing everything the caveman way via guerrilla marketing. Well, there's, let's, let's back up. So we've got two business models. We've got direct to the consumer and we've got direct to the business. And so direct to the consumer only exists in Austin at the moment. And that's us doing it the cave person way. You might've saw that on TikTok. We're literally dragging out coolers to our favorite parts of the city and just pumping water out. Um, and by the end of this year, and then we've got direct to the business. And so when we work directly with a business, um, we, we advertise on the packaging, we add whatever tech they want with QR codes, we ship it to them and they distribute it. And when we work through B2B, we don't control whether they sell it or give it away. If they're gonna give it away, it's gonna be under the free water name. And if, it's, if they're gonna sell it, it will be under the parent company's name. And why it's important to let them have the choice is because there's certain businesses that will never give away water for free. Like imagine if we're sitting down at a restaurant, if they're selling a bottle of water for five bucks, why would they give it away for free? But now for five bucks, they're gonna sell you their flyer. It's gonna have their menu, their best offer, scan this QR code for 20% off your future reservation. And while we're sitting there, you know, two cheesecakes for the price of one. And while we're sitting there having this nice meal, no matter how much I wanna look at you guys, I'm gonna stare at that two cheesecakes for the price of one ad and I'm gonna buy it. And so when, when they're selling it in a situation like that, they have the same margins, but now they're improving same store sales. And so getting back to the direct to the consumer, um, Today, we're doing it in the caveman way. We just bought our first free water truck. Um, unfortunately, it's not a cyber truck. I don't know if you guys know, but we actually pre-ordered 25 of those already. We'll probably get more, but they do not exist. So we just bought a, a huge Ram ProMaster van. It's being wrapped right now. And then that's going to enable us to give out larger scale orders because we've got some LOIs from some bigger companies. And they're like, hey, can you give out 10,000 or 20,000 waters? And can you give 5,000 waters out in a single day? Before we're like, no, because 5,000 waters is 7,000 pounds. It's not like you could just put it in your pocket. But now we could do that in a few quick missions with the truck. And then we're also going to launch our first free vending machine prototypes probably in the first quarter of next year. So the way that the trucks and the free vending machine prototypes interact with one another will be tested here in Austin, and that's easily scalable anywhere in the US. Um, once we accomplish those things, we'll start building our first micro factories. And so um, free products and negatively priced products play by a different set of rules than for sale products. And when you, when you sell a product like the sweatshirt or the hats you're wearing or a bottle of beer, companies tend to make mega factories, you know, a big fulfillment area, a big coke, Coca-Cola factory, and then you ship it across the city, state, country, or world. The further you ship it, the worse it is for the environment, the worse it is for the consumer paying for it. But free and negatively priced products encourage a decentralized micro factory business model. So imagine a micro factory in the same footprint as a McDonald's with a play place, or even twice the size for a bigger factory. And we'll ultimately in the city of Austin or San Francisco, similar size cities and demographics, We'll ultimately have 23 micro factories. And when we have a micro factory in your neighborhood, if you live within three to five miles, you're gonna have two choices. Option number one, 
you're going to come to the micro factory, drive around the drive-through. When you get to the end, you're going to pop open your trunk. We're going to throw 100 beverages in your trunk, scan your QR code, and we're going to pay you $5 to take the water away. And by paying you $5 to take the water from us, paying you to drink water, it saves us like 750% or more of the current cost of shipping you that water. Or option B, we're gonna pay our future Uber-like fleet 10 cents per beverage to drop it off on your doorstep. And so by paying our future Uber-like drivers, um, could be robots depending on how fast we get there, but that 10 cents per beverage will basically allow an a person to make four or five times the salary of an Uber driver and a fraction of an hour or a fraction of the hour. So it, it's, it's all about efficiency here. So Amazon today, they have to deliver a package on this part of Austin, on that part of Austin over here. They try to set it up right with algorithms, but ask any Amazon driver, I ask every one of them, they never get it right. You, you drop off a package at location A, and then at the end of the day, you end up right back next door to location A. But when a product is free or negatively priced, we'll be able to uh, line up 250 houses and businesses in a row. 100 waters, 100 waters, 100 waters. That's $10, $10, $10 for the person doing it. And then they run out of water after 10 houses or whatever. They drive a couple miles to the micro factory, refill, bam. And so you could see how a driver could make two, 300 bucks like that. And then we have ultra efficiency doing that. And whether we're paying the driver 10 cents or paying you a nickel to pick up the water, that saves us, you know, 700% of the fees that an Amazon or a Walmart or any other company would pay today. I mean, Sorry, got it. Uh, threw a lot at you, but so step one, step one truck, step two vending machine, step three microfactor. That's incredible stuff. Now, in terms of your perception, because we discovered you on social media, we found out, we saw the video, to be honest, like you were talking about how we were, if we were at dinner and had the conversation, you were just staring at, you know, the, the bottle, the uh, carton of water that had the cheesecake deal. That was the thing that caught my eye. I was like, this is a incredible business model. So from the social media aspect, you're doing it right. But you're also talking about how you're in, you know, right now to on the consumer side, just in Austin, in terms of, you know, the physical location, how has that perception been in Austin, Texas, um, obviously an entrepreneurship capital of America, but how has that perception been for free water? People are starting to take notice. Um, we had someone from Spectrum News kind of tail us for the day the other day. Um, at first, everybody thought I was this crazy person. They thought I was trying to sell them religion or whatever. You know, who's this crazy person when it's 110 degrees outside trying to give me an ice cold water for free? Um, then the word started spreading. Then people were like, oh, I get this every day on my run or, oh, I get this or, oh, um, some people said I've had this bottle. I didn't get it, but now I've had this bottle by my nightstand every night and I refill it every night and now I get it. Um, and so it's been a great reception, but the world really doesn't know that this is possible yet, um, which is why it's great, you know, doing a show like this with you guys. Um, Listen, the old saying goes, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So people are obviously skeptical. It's really counterintuitive, really counterintuitive. And so that's why it's important to not have any trade secrets. Just blab all about it on the internet. Let people who are trying to copy, copy as easily as they can. And just make it 
you know, more than more than free products or negatively priced products, it's a it's a negative priced CPG movement. Um, and so the faster the world copies, I believe the better off we are. Yeah. And, and you know, such a crucial part as we've kind of talked about um, with the way you're going to market is the social impact, right? Um, it's, you know, the, the carbon neutrality by 2025, it's the, uh, the healthier water and the big name brands, it's the charitable donations for, for each, um, you know, sale. So how important is social entrepreneurship as part of this business model? I mean, it, it certainly seems like it is the backbone quite literally of what you're trying to accomplish here. Um, you know, how important is that to your success as, as free water evolves and, and grows over these next few years? Everything in business has to be about the why, right? If, if you don't start with the why, you're not going to be successful. And, and that, that started with me because it took me two years just to invent all this stuff because, at, you know, people say it's not possible for X, Y, and Z. I'd go back to the whiteboard. Oh, well, that's why it's not possible. Go back to the whiteboard. Oh, Coca-Cola is going to stop you this way. Go back to the whiteboard. Lobbyists are going to stop you that way. Go back to the whiteboard. And so it took me two years of whiteboarding before I could then go out and start doing this. And all those other businesses I were involved in and nonprofits were small businesses or grassroots endeavors. This was my first ever company that's meant to be global. And if the why was not there, I would have 1000% quit in those tough moments. And so I'm, I'm the only founder I've ever met who will tell you, I work on this out of guilt. Because the moment that I realized that I could make all these things free, the first thing that I did was I was like, I'm not going to do that. You know, I don't want big water, big oil, big energy, big car company, clothing companies. Anybody who sells something um, is going to potentially make our life a living hell. And after 100 days of not working on it, I felt so guilty. I started working on it 100 hours a week. And it's it's difficult because I'm the only founder that I know who every day, every week we're told, I'm told, oh, you're going to get killed by Nestle. Oh, you're going to get killed by Jeff Bezos or the U.S. government's going to throw you in jail or, you know, and so I don't think that the founders of Airbnb or Uber have to deal with this sort of, you know, rhetoric or, but it, it's all about the why. And, and through that, why people are getting behind this movement and whether, whether they just want to consume the free products, whether they believe in the charitable aspects or whether they're, they're joining the team, it's, it's, it's gotta be about the why. Perfectly said. I mean, you are a man beyond years. And this is something that I, I hope the world adapts. I hope people, you know, see this and see the incredible things that you're doing. And this business model is so unique and rich and very prosperous. And we hope, you know, wish you all the best in this. Um, as we're closing out the show, obviously entrepreneurship is something that you've had your entire life. You know, you're talking about from the lemonade to the Microsoft stock to now, you know, this incredible endeavor with free water. But is there ever a time at, you know, in your career or even now that you wish you heard a piece of advice that, you know, could, I don't know how to explain this. Do you wish you heard a piece of advice back then that to where you are now, or is there something you would like to give to people, you know, that were similar shoes, you know, similar shoes of you way back when? 
I think I actually heard a piece of advice right on time and that really changed things for me. Um, I used to travel a lot. When I owned my gym business, I would, I would leave the country once every 90 days, 100 days, go to Costa Rica for like a week or two, kind of, you know, grind for 100 days and then vent and go to the beach, you know, and go to South America or whatever. And then one day I met a couple um, in Boco del Toro, Panama, um, an island chain in the Caribbean. And, and they were from, I think, Switzerland. And they were totally just talking crap to me. And they're like, you're such an American with your American vacations. And I was like, what does that mean? They're like, well, you've traveled a lot, but every one of your trips are one week, two weeks. You're such an American. I'm like, well, what does that mean? How long are you traveling for? They're like, we're in the middle of a two or three year trip. And I'm like, how is that even possible? And they're like, simple, you quit life and you don't eat steak and lobster every meal like you are on your little American trips. And that really resonated with me. And, and so when I took that first big leap was when I got rid of my gym business and I bought the RV and left for a year and a half. And that was the most money I had ever made. Um, and it was really hard to walk away from that money. Um, but it was the best thing in the world because I find that you don't really know what you want out of life. If you have a nine to five job, if you have everything going on, but when you leave and you have no return date, after about six or seven or eight or nine months, you're kind of like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone when he's like, I made my family disappear. And, and he realizes he could do anything. And, and so I realized I could do anything. And I was like, well, what if I could do anything, what interests me? And then I found, oh, photography and videography interest me. Um, other things interested me. And so, you know, I, I could say I wish I went on that trip sooner, but I think it was all in due time. And and then the last thing would just be not to work on a project for the money. Um, because if you work on it for the money, you're never going to get anywhere. Because when, money is not a why, right? It's, it's not a why. And so if you, if you work on solving something that's important to you, you'll, it'll be far greater than money. And so that, that would be the best advice I could give. Focus on something that's going to make you happy. Well, Josh, this has been excellent. We appreciate you coming on the show and discussing all your endeavors. Uh, free water. Where can our listeners find free water? Uh, locate you guys online and potentially uh, get involved with your brand. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, please follow us on TikTok at freewater.io. That's where we're kind of blowing up right now. And on our website, free water, if you'd like to advertise or just lend a hand or get involved, uh, please reach out in the comments. Perfect. Well, Josh, thank you so much. We're excited to see this show up in cities and states near you and everywhere uh, where our listeners are. And, uh, you know, we're excited to uh, have this conversation with you. Thank you again. Well, thank you for having me. And that was just Josh Clifford's freewater.io is the website. I mean, you know, we talked about this right after the interview, probably one of the smartest people we've talked to. It's a name you're going to hear later on. And we're very happy to, uh, you know, have him on the show. But what a concept. I mean, it's insane that other people haven't adopted that style of, you know, marketing, business plan, however you want to spin it. But I mean, his message for the greater good is something that is very, very incredible. And we're excited to see that grow globally. Yeah, you know, and this is something we talked about at length afterwards. It's like, I genuinely, 
I don't think I caught up to, you know, a lot of the the business model structure that he was talking about. You know, that's something that I physically, I, I still don't understand the ins and outs. And, you know, I, I think eventually you're going to start to see products like that, but like making the back end financials work is really where you have to hustle and mm-hmm. good for him. He's able to figure it out. But I mean, I, I still, I, along with many other people still don't see how you make that work. Right. So this is one that I will re-listen to many times and, you know, maybe one day it'll click for me. I don't know. I mean, it makes, it makes sense. It's like, it's paying for itself with the advertising. Sure. No, it, I, you know, that was, that was a long part of the conversation we had. It's just like, it's, it's so mind boggling to think that that's profitable business at this point. Right. I didn't think we'd get there, but um, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's negative, negative margin products. Right. So it's interesting how he's structuring, you know, I think that's something we'll, we'll come back to for sure. Um, as time goes on, and we'll understand more about balls presented by manscaped. Black Friday sales are over, but that does not mean you can't get Manscaped products. I don't want to steal your thunder, but 20% off promo code house, manscaped.com slash house for free shipping and 20% off. Yeah, I mean, uh, we are, there's a ton of supply chain issues, but Manscaped is quick moving and fast. I mean, I restocked on a couple of things and it came in in about a week, which is great in this you know climate with everything. It's an incredible gift for your loved ones. We will say it again, man, woman, and child. Um, but all of the products are, you know, state-of-the-art, great technology, super safe, super friendly. Um, they have a nice little storage bag for everything too, so you can keep it separated if you leave it in the bathroom. And you get the 20% off with the house code. Um, it's a no-brainer, ton of great products. Save yourself some money, get yourself a great Christmas gift and go to manscaped.com slash house for your 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you later. All right, let's talk some football, um, weird games. The lions have their first victory over the Vikings. And I will say that, you know, before shredding the lions, I'm being one ten and one. We love Dan Campbell on the show. Um, Love what he's been able to, you know, like his vision and stuff, obviously that hasn't translated nearly to results. I thought it was an awesome, really cool move to see him at the end of the game, read the name of the four uh, children that were, um, you know, they, they lost their lives in the Oxford shooting. I thought that was an awesome move by Dan Campbell. So kudos. That's, that can honestly be positivity corner. We haven't seen, we haven't done that in a while. I think that's very positive move from the, the head coach of the Lions here. Yeah, I mean, first off, like that was, you know, class act, obviously, you know, when something that tragic happens, you know, you would hope more people talk about it, but that obviously hit closer to home for Detroit, um, geographically wise. So class, class act by uh, coach Dan Campbell. I mean, he's just an ultimate football guy. He knows what to say each and every week, win, lose, tie, no matter what. Um, But then on the football side, I mean, he was itching for a win. That team was itching for a win. Um, big win against the Vikings too. I mean, Kirk Cousins is having himself quite the year, an MVP caliber year. The Vikings, you know, they're in the hunt. It's a very tough division um, when you have the Packers like that. But that was something that, again, when you're, the Lions keep getting these crap spreads. They're like seven points plus, and I get their winless, but like they keep covering week after week. So they cover all the time. They were due for a win. Yeah. 
They're the cover machine. They're better uh, at covering than the 2020 to 21 Bryant Bulldogs. It's amazing. I love it. Bryant can't um, cover. Not, not this year. Bryant's not covering any spreads. If you had Houston at plus 66 and a half or minus 66 and a half, you won a lot of money. I'll That's that a joke on social media. It's been, it was an embarrassing, embarrassing game for the Bryant Bulldogs. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. No, there's, it's out of conference play. It's out of so, conference play. Um, before we dive into like just a quick bit of college football or college basketball, I should say, and college football, um, there was some separation this week. Cardinals now 10 and two bucks now nine and three. There was a lot of games that, you know, teams came back and said, all right, we're not screwing around. We're just going to beat up on the team we have in front of us. Um, I think. The Chargers are good. I'm just going to say it. I think the Chargers are better than the Bengals, much better than them, and 41-22 win. Um, who else do I think is good after this week? I think the Colts are really good. I've, I've said it once before on this show, probably twice. I'll say it again. I think the Colts are good. I'm still not bought in on Washington football team. Um, I'm not bought in on the Steelers and – I don't think I've ever been more out on a team than the 49ers too. Um, so those are just five things that come to mind. Um, I'm out. I'm out on the 49ers. You know, I think they, uh, they shit the bed against a bleeding Seahawks team. Um, I think the Seahawks suck. And I think the 49ers are not sticking around here. So are you more out on the 49ers or more, okay, the Seahawks aren't that bad? out on the 49ers because like I'm the opposite where it's like I just like the 49ers are a good team they have a great core of receivers obviously Jimmy G is you know an above average quarterback their defense led by uh, Bosa is you know pretty pretty good the Seahawks were just at the wrong you know wrong place at the wrong time for weeks you know obviously Russell Wilson goes out Geno Smith doesn't really hold it. He comes back from injury, not really getting the ball to the right people. Um, you know, their run game's been a little banged up. Jamal Adams, you know, wasn't really performing. But, I mean, Pete Carroll is a – and I know you don't like him, but he is a Super Bowl-winning co- uh, coach. You know, I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, this is against – this is with a Pete Carroll hater saying this. I, I think yeah. he belongs in the Hall of Fame. You know, it's like – at the right place at the right time, they can get things cooking. Now, do I think they're going to make the playoffs this year? Probably not because the, you know, the hole's a little too deep at this point, but things could happen, but you got to give credit to the Seahawks. It's like their team year after year is usually at the top of the table. So I am more that the Seahawks are back rather than I'm out on the 49ers. I don't know. I think the 49ers, they, I, I just, maybe it's spite for Jimmy G. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, I think your defense is a little, I, I don't want to say wash, but that's honestly the only word that comes to mind. It's like, I, I'm just so out on Josh Norman. I don't know. Like, I'm more out on the Ravens and sorry to our, you know, friend you know, and uh, writer, too. Josh Adams, but the Ravens, man, trash. Ravens trash. Lamar Jackson what the hell's what the hell's wrong and he's had a good year for himself but I mean because like you know he would came into that game eighth I think it was eighth among all people uh, all rushers in the NFL he was eighth running backs quarterbacks you know I mean that just backs. shows the running back pool has been kind of trash this year as it well we talked trash. about it where it's like 
all of your top tier running backs that have these massive contracts are either hurt or haven't been performing. Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, um, Saquon Barkley, CMC. It's like they're all hurt. They're all hurt. They're just not, they're not doing it, but I don't know, man, the Ravens, like that's a tough division. And I, we were talking about it before CBS posted that stat of like the four hardest schedules remaining in the NFL. And it's just the AFC North because they all play each other. Makes like sense. the Bengals. Yeah. Like they had a tough one against the chargers, but then they go out and beat the Steelers last week. Like they're a middle of the road team. You know, the Browns are still the Browns, no matter their struggles, they have all that talent. The Ravens are sitting at, I believe, eight and four. And then the Steelers are just back in the mix. It's like, that is a tough division all said and done. So I don't know, but I'm more out on the Ravens, especially now they just lost, I believe, who got hurt? Uh, Was it Marcus Peters or was he already out? I'm not sure. Oh, Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey. I was about to say Humphrey. Yeah. Yeah, So you just lost, not only you lose Marcus Peters in the beginning of the year, and all of their running backs and all of these injuries, but now Marlon Humphrey's out. It's oh, like he's out for the year. Out for the year, yeah. torn pack. Torn pack. Oh my God, they're two. Yeah, the seven starters, season-ending injuries. You have two running backs and Dobbins and Gus Edwards. You have Deshaun Elliott, uh, who's a safety. Derek Wolf, the defensive end, an offensive tackle, and Ronnie Stanley. And then you have both starting quarterbacks in Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. I think they're fucked. I, yeah. This is not good. You can't bounce back from that. And you're seeing right now, it's like the Titans were on an absolute roll and then they're losing everybody. You lose Derrick Henry, you lose Julio Jones, you lose AJ Brown for a couple of weeks. It's like, that's a tough pill to swallow. And, you know, having now an extra week where it's like, you're looking now, there's so many teams in the hunt and so many teams at 500. You have no idea who's going to make the playoffs and like, the algorithms and the analytics teams are really going to have to break it down. If there's a bunch of teams eyeing that seventh spot with the same record. All right, let's do a couple of these good or fraud. Just rattle them off. No explanation needed. Dolphins. Good or fraud. Yeah. No explanation. Fraud. I say fraud too. Eagles. Fraud. WFT. Good. Okay. I think everybody's a fraud to this point. I don't think the I don't think WFT's got it. The Raiders. Fraud. Ooh. I think fraud too. What else? Let's do let's do the Chiefs. I say good. Good. Unfortunately, good. I mean, they hit. I mean, but then again, though, are they good? Are they good? Because <laughs> like, not thing. for nothing, not for nothing. It's like, okay, you have Patrick Mahomes, this great offensive line, Clyde edwards Elair, Josh Gordon, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, star-studded defense, blah, 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 blah. And you only beat the Broncos by... That was a gross... I didn't want... It was just gross. Yeah, 22 you know? And it's like, ever since it was like, they barely beat the Giants. They barely beat the Cowboys. They had a dominant one against the Raiders. So, okay, you give it to them. But it's like, their wins are like, eh. Like, oh, they won. But like, again, some of these spreads they have are like double digit points where it's like, all right, hold the fucking phone. Like, you're not winning by that much. I know. I know. And again, like the Broncos are, you know, 
hurting a little bit too. It's like, obviously they lose their star linebacker and Von Miller in the trade. They have some injuries. I believe uh, Melvin Ingram was out or Melvin Gordon was out rather. It's like, you know, they put up a good fight against a division, a division matchup, but years past that should have been a 30 point win for the chiefs. And now they're barely sneaking by Patrick Mahomes throws an interception every single game. <laughs> he does. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good with an asterisk. I, I agree. I think the story is yet to be told on the chiefs, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm a little out on them. I don't know. I kind of am out on the chiefs. I'm going to go on the record and say they're good, but I just don't want them to be. I mean, they'll make um, a run in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about the chiefs. We'll talk about college football real quick. Um, matchups are set for the college football championship. Georgia got an ass whooping from Alabama in the SEC title. Now Alabama's one, Michigan two, Georgia three, Cincinnati four. So that means Alabama and Cincinnati are going to play in the Cotton Bowl. And in the Orange Bowl, it's Michigan and Georgia. I think, so I have no expectations for Cincinnati to do anything. Um, I would like for them to, but Alabama just every single year, I mean, they went out and they whopped Georgia, but not even close. They're in the driver's seat for most of the second half. Um, Michigan looks good too. I think, you know, naturally, I, I think we're destined for Alabama, Michigan. That's yeah. I mean, I if I, if, you know, if I'm a gambling man, which I am, um, my money right now is on Michigan. They've looked top to bottom great all year. Wow. And I honestly wouldn't even put it pat. Like it sucks that it has to be Georgia, Michigan, because like, I would have loved those two as the final. Um, I think what happened, and again, can be complete speculation. You know, Georgia, Alabama was an SEC title. It's like Georgia knew they were going to be in the playoffs either way, win or lose. They didn't have fully, you know, all, all gas on the pedal and stuff like that. I, you know, they should have been a little bit more competitive, especially, you know, Alabama, like, yes, Alabama is a great team, but like you're in triple overtime against Auburn. Yes. Again, the iron bowl, all of that stuff, yada, 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 the tradition, the history, but it's like Alabama should not have dominantly trampled over Georgia. Yeah. That's a fact. Whereas Michigan, you know, they are eating opponents left and right. They took down Ohio state by 20. They just walked Iowa, like the That's Michigan state win. battle. Like, yeah, they, they're a very good team and, you know, good for Cincinnati for sneaking it into four. Um, I would have loved my college football playoffs as Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame at four, just <laughs> so they would have had to have the new coach come in uh, for Kelly and make some magic happen. Well, I don't think there's a soul that wouldn't want that, but yeah. it's like no one's going to throw Notre Dame in over like one of those other schools. No, no. You, you needed some people to lose. Basically – you know, Alabama, Georgia was what it was. You needed Michigan to lose, and he needed him to lose by a lot. And he needed Cincinnati to get their shit kicked in by Houston, too. Yeah, I mean, this is the year, though, that – I mean, they say this every year, but with the amount of, like, teams that were doing so well, it would have been great to have an 18 playoff. It would have still been awesome to see, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State, probably Baylor because they just beat Oklahoma State. Um it would have been nice to see those teams battle it out to see who really is that champion, but maybe next year. Yeah. No, we'll see. Um, 
so we're going to float that out. You think um, Michigan's going to be Alabama in the college football championship? Are we hearing that correctly for the record? It's too early to tell, but that's what I would like. Okay. So December 6th, that's your pick. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the same championship game, but I will, I will put it on record. I think Alabama's going to win. Probably. I mean, <laughs> I mean, no one, no one would, it's one of those that like, no one's going to blame you, whatever pick you put out there. It's like, okay, yeah. fine. Alabama is what they are. Michigan, probably the best team. All right. But you just don't know until they, they lace them up basically. Yeah. I mean, if it's Alabama, Michigan, like Michigan's probably going to be like a five or six point underdog. So I'll at least take the cover. I don't even know. Cause Alabama, they like, I feel like the college football championships, they either like, they're so they're blowouts in one direction or another. Yeah. I'll take the under though. Whatever mm. the under is. No. Cause under, like 68. I don't know. College football. Those unders are just like make believe. I feel like the overs hit unless it's like a military academy. We live in two worlds. We live in the NFL world where it's like, you know, the Bills, Bills Pats is 40 tonight. And weather game. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a, a like 60 point games in college football. It's not yeah, every single time. Yeah, I agree. So that's Which is crazy football. because they they like like college football like loves hyping up like the defensive players, but then again, it's like the defense gives up like 50 points. I, I know it makes no <laughs> sense crazy but that's college football buckle up that's all we've got we can talk college basketball a little bit more next week um baseball's in lockout so naturally there i guess we'll lock out from baseball too Fucking um, dumb. what an idiot what an idiot rob manfred what an absolute jamoke it's just so frustrating because like I don't think I'm, I don't know what angers me more. It's like, yeah, this is the first one since 94, which again, short and seasoned. Hopefully that's not the case. I mean, but the way he handled the COVID stuff, that it just does not look good. I did not like how he pretty much blames like, oh yeah, like the players, like we couldn't do it for the player. Like the players wouldn't agree, the owners wouldn't agree, all this stuff. It just hurts the game so, so, so much. And it's just like, I think it also angered me when a guy like uh, Jameson Tyone on the Yankees, right? He literally cannot go to his team doctors. So think about like all these players, like, and he was on like the tail end of the recovery, but still like you're a pitcher, you're, you're a creature of habit. You need to like do these things to get back on track and start getting on a pitching plan. Like that's going to derail him. So then you look at guys like Verlander, which is again, I don't think he's going to end up back with the Astros because the contract wasn't finalized before the lockout. If something goes wrong with his like injury recourse, you know, he might end up somewhere else, but it's just like, it hurts the players more. And these, these owners and the league make so much freaking money where it's like, you couldn't agree with something, anything just to like fix this. Yeah, I, I know this it's, it's annoying. We'll have full thoughts, I'm sure, at a at a later date. But I mean, this is this is very annoying. It is, and yeah. it's and then no end in sight. There's you know no real direct path to an end to this. So we'll have to see when they you know hope they they say maybe January. Um, I, I'm not believing anything till I see it, and I will stay like that. 
Baseball is a dying sport at this rate between the lockout. And then I will put money that no one gets inducted into the hall of fame this year. That sucks. They did it last year. They did it last year. And now you're adding players that are more talented than some of the guys on the ballot in David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez, who probably will not get in. And like the resumes and some of the other, other guys, if like they're already saying no now, they're not going to be able to jump to that 75%. You know, the Andy Pettits, the Andrew Jones, uh, Billy Wagner, Omar Vizquel, like all these guys, it's like they're going to hover around that 35%. These, these old heads are just like, nope, nope, nope. And then the guys that do deserve it, Yes, did they do steroids? No one's doubting it, but they tell the they history. Cheated. So what? Put an asterisk next to their name, you know? It's like, who, who cares? They tell right? the history of baseball. They tell the history of baseball. It's like Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, those guys put asses in seats in the 90s and yeah. 2000s. David Ortiz and A-Rod put asses in seats from the 2000s to the 2010s. Yes, they did. So, I don't know. Baseball's pissing us off at this point. Uh, yeah, wish we could have ended on a high note, but <laughs> that's baseball. Um, thanks for watching or listening, I should say. Uh, go follow us everywhere that uh, social media exists and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Remember to leave a comment in social media and subscribe. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Take it easy.